Hello, everyone. Welcome back again to the Hi-Fi Summit. And right now we've got Joe Finn from Parasound. He's going to be talking about what to look for in a power amplifier. Joe, how are you feeling today, buddy? John, I'm feeling great. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. You know, just plugging and chugging, plugging and chugging. You are a trooper. You've hardly slept. And, uh, you know, now here you are just blasting away with total energy. I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're the ones behind it. We got, we got to keep the show rolling, you know? Hey, and before we go any further, I just want to say, you know, a big, big thank you to Joe and of course you, Shauna and Mike, because to me, this is just an awesome opportunity, both for the customers, you know, the consumers and for the vendors like ourselves to be able to get together and share information and, and talk and trade questions. You know, we were really looking forward to the Expona show in Chicago, which is my hometown, by the way. Huh. But, you know, let's be honest, at Expona, you get mostly Chicago people, some from Wisconsin, a few from Michigan and Iowa. But it's really a very regional show. Uh, and this is something where we can talk to you and to customers, you know, consumers all over the world, literally. So this is really exciting, I think. So yeah, good no. job. <laughs> it, it, it is. Hey, hey, thanks. And and thank you for um, you know, you got you guys are always helping. Um, you know, I've I've done a bunch of videos with Richard, and um it, it's just great when companies are open to having people like myself, Michael, and Joe um, you know, make videos and you know, just kind of bridge the gap mm -hmm. between you know, the newer generation, the people that are coming up that are always using the internet to people that aren't really like using the internet. Uh, for instance, last night, I, I just found out about this brand new synthesizer I want. It's a semi-modular from Pittsburgh Modular. And like, I was just boom, boom, boom. I was watching every video I can on it. So, <laughs> you know, anytime I want to know about something new, you know, I'm always on YouTube. Yeah. looking for that new thing so i'm glad you know we could put this together to help bridge the gap and bring you know a lot of your fan base and customers to talk to you directly so on yeah. that note let Perfect. me duck out of here and uh take it away joe okay so let me pull up the uh powerpoint that we're going to use and you just tell me sean if there's any issues at all in seeing this uh, uh we're going to assume here that this is coming up just we fine. got it it's good it's okay, good. good to go so I'll just say to you and to all the listeners, thank you guys so much for joining us and talking a little bit about amplifiers. Obviously, that's sort of a Parasound staple. And I've got several slides embedded in the slideshow that just say questions, you know, sort of a way to force us to stop and take questions. Because right now, anyway, I can't actually see the chat window. So I'll steam through some material here. It'll give us some good fodder for getting questions going. And we titled this What to Look For in a Better Amplifier. So the first thing we want to do is just go over some basic things that some of the customers, obviously some of you guys are way into it. You've been into audio for 30 or 40 years. Others are much newer to the topic. So we'll just talk a little bit about the differences between a power amp, preamp, integrated amp. And then we'll also touch on the different types of amplifiers that are the most popular ones. So class A, class AB, class D. And, and it's sort of related ones. And then we'll talk a little bit about build quality and reliability. <clears throat> and then what we want to do is take sort of a deep dive into, we have just introduced our, the best amplifier that Parasound has ever made in its history, the JC1 Plus. 
And so with the JC1 Plus, we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive into what makes it such an outstanding amplifier, why it's better than anything we've ever done, to kind of hopefully give you a, a look under the covers, if you will, about what makes a better amplifier a better amplifier. Obviously, in your own search for a better amplifier, you might be moving from a receiver into an amplifier in the five or $600 price range, or you may have just dropped $80,000 on a pair of mono blocks. Who knows? But we'll try to use this approach as getting a good platform for us to talk about some various you know, ways to look at amplifier design. So first, I want to give you just a quick look at, well, who the heck is Parasound? What are they all about? It was founded, the company was founded by Richard Schramm, this man on the left, back in San Francisco in 1981, and we're still located in San Francisco. And I think Richard has had a very strong vision from day one. Parasound doesn't build the least expensive product on the market. There's lots of huge manufacturers who do that. And Parasound doesn't try to build the most expensive, most high-end, most bestest, incredible, amazing. Really what Parasound focuses on is what we call value engineering. And that's trying to give you, the consumer, the most product we possibly can for the money. So what we want to do is listen to those absolute highest end things that we can find, admire all the things that we love about those products, then come back and make hopefully a much lower cost version so that you get high performance in, in the product that you're buying, but you're not having to pay the huge price tag of it. So if somebody has the money for amplifiers that are far better and preamps, phono preamps, far better than the ones that we make, uh, you know, we say, hey, more power to you, go for it. But for people who look at those wonderful high-end products and think, that's not my price range, we really encourage you to look at Parasound. And this picture also gives us a chance to introduce a man named John Curl, who has had a 30-year association with, maybe more, with Parasound. John is one of the most respected high-end designers in the audio industry over, certainly during my lifetime. He's actually in the Absolute Sound Hall of Fame. Uh, because he's had so many you know, positive things that he's done from uh, 70s Grateful Dead and Jefferson Airplane, San Francisco bands, obviously, recording and concert sound uh, on up to products for Mark Levinson and Parasound and Vendetta Research and all kinds of manufacturers. And here's one thing I want to do for everybody that I think is the least expensive way to get more enjoyment without spending any more money on equipment. Just ask one of your best friends who's also into audio, hey, can you recommend to me three of your favorite records? So let's spend 60 seconds for me to do that here today with you, because let's face it, if you ask three or four different friends, hey, can you recommend three records, three CDs that you listen to all the time? Well, bang, they're going to tell you what their favorites are. And if you don't have those in your collection, you can really up the chunk factor of your enjoyment just by going out and, and investigating some of the things that other people love. Over here on the left, I'm a big Frank Zappa fan, but let's be honest, Zappa's music can be kind of challenging rhythmically, and it's not for everybody. So I think the most accessible album that Frank Zappa ever made is one called Overnight Sensation that I've played over and over. You see here, you can get that with apostrophe on the same CD if you can find it. So Zappa, apostrophe, and Overnight Sensation on one CD, that's tons of musical enjoyment. Thin Lizzy, Live and Dangerous. This record, if you're a rock and roll fan and, and let's say a hard rock fan, this is as much fun as you can have. 
I don't know how many times I've listened to Live and Dangerous in the last 30 years or so, I guess it's been. Uh, twin lead guitar harmonies, as you can kind of see in the left and right here, plus one of the best drummers in rock and roll and Brian Downey, a very underrated drummer. Just marvelous, marvelous stuff. So Thin Lizzy, Live and Dangerous is the second one. If you've ever heard of Jimi Hendrix, and you know what Jimi Hendrix brought to the electric guitar, a man named Leo Kotke, in my opinion, brought the same kind of thing to the 12-string acoustic. Go out and pick up any Leo Kotke disc, and you'll be in great shape. The best of Leo Kotke is probably the right way to start if you are not familiar with his music. The man is a technical genius who never forgets about melody. So hopefully that's a way to get more enjoyment out of your system no matter what you own. Now let's just start talking about these amplifier basics again. What's the difference between a power amp, a preamp, and an integrated amp? Well, just very simply, the power amp is really a block of power. You see here on the front of our A23 Plus that there are virtually no knobs or buttons or, or features of any kind really outside of the on-off button. A power amp is really just that. It's a block of power, and it takes the sort of low-level signals from the preamplifier and literally amplifies them to a point where they can be sent on to your speakers, and your speakers can really use that signal. So, you know, amplifying the, the music and delivering it to your speakers is what it's all about. It is, of course, technically possible to connect, let's say, a CD player that has a gain control on it straight into a power amp. But for the most part, power amps really require a preamp. And there you can see some of the features we have on the back. We're going to dig into that a little bit later on in this presentation. I also want to make mention, though, that amplifiers are not just limited to two channel. So obviously, a lot of customers out there now have a home theater system in addition to a two-channel. Some only have a home theater system. At Parasound, we sell a lot of three- and five-channel amplifiers as well as the two-channel amplifiers simply because it's a great way to take what the receiver manufacturers are really good at. And, you know, Yamaha and Marantz and Denon and, and all of those guys are really good at all the steering technology that happens in a home theater, right? That gives you that incredible ability to, you know, the horses are going across the screen from left to right, so is the sound, or the jet airplanes are going over your head. Well, what gets left out in those home theater receivers oftentimes is there's just not enough room inside the box to put in a really powerful transformer and all the output devices and so forth that you need to really be able to bring the clarity especially the clarity when you're listening at low levels. So it can be a fantastic way to get the most out of your receiver by looking at, for example, in this case, the, uh, uh, the A31, which will give you a left, center, right of extremely high power and, and really high-end performance. Or depending on how you want to do it, you know, our five-channel amps in combination with this three-channel would be eight channels. However you, you want to set it up, uh, but we're going to focus today anyway on two-channel amplifiers rather than on, on home theater amplifiers. But just to mention that we do a good business in this sort of, sort of category. Okay, now back to two-channel. The preamp. What's the preamp all about? Well, first off, it takes the extremely low-level signals from whether it be a tape deck or a disc player or whatever the source is, and it amplifies it enough that it can send that signal at a higher level onto the power amp to be used. But it's also the system control center. 
So any switching, for example, between, you know, in this case, you've got five analog inputs plus a set of analog phono inputs. Any switching that goes on in your system happens at the preamp level. And of course, our preamps frequently, if not always, I think now, uh, most of them anyway, get shipped with a remote control so that you've got that control not only at the preamp itself, but also from across the room. And the quality of the preamp can affect your sound significantly. Customers mention to us over and over again when they upgrade to a better preamp that they're shocked at how much better the sound quality is because while they're kind of expecting a better sound quality from a powerful amplifier, they're not necessarily expecting so much from a high quality preamplifier, but there can be a really significant upgrade in the sound there as well. Um, and then one last thing while we're on the preamp part of it, a preamp may include a phono preamp, but also may not. So obviously, again, here in the P6 that we sell, this is a roughly $1,500 at retail uh, preamplifier. We sell a lot of these. You do have a phono input, and you can actually switch between moving coil and moving magnet phono cartridges. But oftentimes, preamps do not come with a phono preamp, and then you would buy a separate one. And actually, here on the channel, we're going to do a separate seminar on Tuesday uh, that will cover you know, our phono preamps and what are the things you're looking for in a phono preamp. So, yeah, there you go. Typically, by the way, preamplifiers do come with a high-quality headphone amp, and oftentimes, in this case, also comes with a DAC, but you, know, you start to get into some of the differences as, as you shop there. So what is an integrated amplifier? That's really simple. An integrated amplifier combines a power amp with a preamp. So it does the switching and the control, you know, the turning up the volume, turning down the volume, adjusting the bass and treble, all those kinds of kinds of control functions, plus the switching that you get in any preamplifier, but also has the power amplifier built right in. So essentially an integrated amp really is very much like the receivers that you know so many of us bought when we first got into this hobby, but without a tuner. The tuner would be treated as a separate source. Integrated amplifiers over the last few years, certainly for Parasound and I think probably for some of our other, uh, you know, vendor brothers, <clears throat> are really, uh, you know, really regaining popularity, I would say. Integrated amplifiers are becoming very popular for the simplest reason in the world. With an integrated amp, you just connect sources and you press play and off you go. So having that simplicity of, of an approach to, a simple approach to your electronics, being able just to open up a, a single product, connect the sources, connect your speakers, and start enjoying music, you know, that's, that's a big call for, for the integrated amp. And now let's go a little bit deeper into it. If those are the basics, this is something that I think a lot of people wind up having questions about. And in a couple of slides from now, we'll, we'll take questions and kind of minimize the slide series and, and just see what are some of the things in your mind. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Class A and Class AB and Class D. Then, of course, Class D has variants now that are coming out, Class H and so forth, and just give a little explanation of what's going on here. So let's start with the idea that all amplification is a little bit inefficient. You plug an amplifier into the wall, a lot of what is coming out of that wall socket into the amplifier doesn't really get turned into usable audio energy by your speakers. A fair amount of it gets thrown off as heat. And so 
this is actually one of the biggest reasons why you have different approaches to building amplifiers. So let's start with the idea that class A sound is really wonderful. And, you know, if you're buying a tube amplifier, you're really getting a class A sound from a tube amp. The only issue there, of course, or, or one of the main issues there is that in a sense, a tube amp is the most inefficient of the approaches to amplification. A lot of that energy is going to get thrown off as heat. So if you were looking at, for example, a JC1 Parasound power amplifier, and you wanted to get that same amount of watts per dollar, that same amount of current, that same amount of actual amplified energy going into your speakers, you would need to buy a gigantic tube amplifier. As wonderful as tube amplifiers sound, they tend to be much lower in wattage per dollar, let's say, than a solid state amplifier. That, that doesn't mean they're bad, of course. They have wonderful sound quality, but you know this is a part of why you, you get so many amplifiers on the market that are transistor instead of, instead of tubes. So a class AB transistor amplifier, and in this case, I think that we're looking at the A21, a class AB transistor amplifier can be a tremendous way to get a compromise between getting the, the kind of sound quality you want from a tube amplifier and getting it in a more heat efficient, let's say, package. So our amplifiers, like for example, again, the JC1 Plus, we can run that in class A, like you'd hear out of a tube amplifier, all the way up to about 25 watts or so, which is a lot of output with most speakers. As long as your speakers are not very inefficient, that's a tremendous amount of output that'll actually be really pretty loud in pure class A mode. When the music is demanding even more than that, then the amplifier switches to class AB mode and it switches hopefully, you know, depending on the quality of the amplifier, obviously, but switches hopefully in a fairly seamless way so that you can get really pretty loud on the big crescendos, the, the, the booming cannons in the 1812 overture, for example, without needing an absolutely massive tube amplifier. So now what the heck is a class D amplifier? Well, Class D amplifiers, like this one right over here, the 275, new classic 275 from Parasound, a Class D amplifier is really the most efficient of the three that we're discussing so far. It really doesn't need to throw off nearly as much of the current coming out of the wall as heat. It's able to operate very efficiently and, and in a space-saving way as well. You can see that this amplifier takes up just one rack space high. So it's a very efficient way to go. Very little heat gets thrown off. You don't need a whole lot of room for a Class D amplifier. Most of the really high-end amplifiers on the market, however, are not Class D. Because really, until about 15, 20 years ago, or around 15, 20 years ago, almost everybody in our industry thought of Class D amplifiers as not being very good sounding, kind of harsh and brittle on the top end. Uh, but now, of course, we're getting better and better. There are all kinds of manufacturers now putting out really high quality Class D modules. And the, a product like a 275 or our integrated amp that you saw a moment ago, the new Classic 200, is a wonderful product for the money in terms of sound quality. And obviously, you get a very space-saving and, and very cool running package. So that hopefully gets you by you know, some of these kind of core questions uh, and let's just now see if we can step out of this. It doesn't look like I've got any uh, questions that have come in. 
uh, chat with the hosts and other guests. Uh, so, there, oh, there, there we go. There we go. Live hey, comments. Hey, All hey. I had to do was switch yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're right there. You're right there. I thought I'd jump in just to Good man. see. Um, let's see. So, there yeah. is this question. Um, so I would so from Ian. So would I need to have a preamp to connect my receiver before getting an amp to control my rear two speakers? And I think uh, Ian, um, you're referring to adding on two two rear speakers. Is that rear height channels or rear speakers like surround backs? Um, but I, I believe if you're already running a receiver, you do not need a preamp. Is that correct, Joe? Absolutely. Now he may be, I'm not sure how many channels he's got. If he wants to add additional channels and doesn't have that many channels in his home theater receiver, he will have to add a power amp, but not necessarily a preamp. But that's, yeah. it is a little bit dependent on exactly what he owns. Okay. So um, Ian, if you hear us, uh, let us know exactly what you're working with and what the problem is. All right, moving on. Here's another one is the, I think this is the new classic 200. Um, okay. Yep. Audio architects talking about. Okay. By the way, I just want to, uh, Life of Bliss says, bringing the show to the masses. Love it. <laughs> yeah. I dig that. Yeah. We definitely um, are. We definitely are. Ooh, and, and Abacadef from Brazil, P3, P3823JC21. Okay, I'm sorry, Chad, I interrupted you. Were, no, it's you all good. It's all question. good. Questions up on the screen. Is the, cla is the 200 a Class D? Is the new, new Classic 200 a Class D? I think D that's what he's talking yes, about, yeah. Yes, new new classic two hundred integrated amp has class D amplification in it, somewhat similar to the new classic two seventy five, which is also a class D amplifier. Gotcha. gotcha. Now that you can get good sounding class D modules, you know I see a lot of potential in the future for class D because it is inherently more efficient than the other than the other ways of going. <clears throat> but very few of the really high end on the amps are high end amplifiers on the market are class D. Yeah. No, definitely. All right. Uh, another Any, question here. Um, yeah. What are some of the reasons you would want, need more capacitance for a power amp? Okay. So the more we can store current, the more we can store energy and have it on tap when <clears throat> all of a sudden the baseline becomes much heavier, the basis drops down, all of a sudden the synthesizer player starts really doing some deep stuff, that sort of thing. If you just want to be able to play it louder. The more energy that you've got stored in an amplifier, the better off you are. And in a really simple sense, that's the biggest difference between the inexpensive power amplifiers and the better ones, is the better ones just have more ability to, to store energy. We'll talk about that in, in more depth in a minute. I, I wanted just to touch on <clears throat> a question too. Are there any plans for a halo range of pre-DAC <clears throat> for digital-based users? Uh, and at the moment, we're not planning on doing anything in halo with better DAX, but you never know what the future might bring. So, uh, <clears throat> okay. Do you think we should move on and get into this next part of the next part of the PowerPoint? Yeah, sure. Uh, let me okay. see if there's one. I thought I saw something. Oh, here. What would you recommend? Uh, what would your AMP recommendations be for a 7.2.4 configuration? David, that's a great question. To some extent, of course, it matters what speakers you have and what you're trying to accomplish. So oftentimes people who, let's say, have a 724 configuration might buy a very high-end pair of left and right speakers. In that case, you would probably want one of our two-channel amplifiers. But just as often, people will invest in left, center, right, that are all three very high quality. And maybe let's just say, for example, with in-ceilings, you know, 
taking the rest of it or in ceilings and in walls, some combination. Again, that's where a three-channel amp is going to come in. Feel free, David, and anybody else on this chat, by the way, if you want to send a note to sales at parasound.com, if you want to get deeper into a specific question that you have, because obviously we won't get to all of them during this seminar, but um, but yeah. Okay, right. uh, why don't we uh, why don't we jump back into the material, and then we'll jump back sure. up for more questions, if that works for, for you. For sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, let, let, let me get here and jump. Okay. So we, we took some questions. Let's get back to slideshow from current slide. There's a couple of my favorite musicians, Deep Purple. Okay, so what are some of the characteristics then of a better amplifier? I think there's a couple things in particular that you really want to look at if you're starting to move maybe from a more entry-level amplifier into something that's better. The first thing is the reliability and build quality. So the first thing, in a sense, we're not even really talking about sound quality at this point. I think sometimes people can get sort of so caught up in, oh, here's a really good amplifier for 100, it's got 100 watts per channel, and et cetera. Oh, here's a lesser expensive amplifier that has 100 watts per channel. Oh, here's still a lesser expensive amp that's got 100 watts per channel. Well, sometimes the manufacturer might be scrimping on some of the things that don't easily replicate to a spec sheet. What's the reliability of the product? How long has this company been building amplifiers? What's the build quality? When you engage that front panel switch, when you engage your, when you clip your speakers into the back, your speaker wire into the back, are the, are the connections solid and tight or are they kind of cheesy spring-loaded clips? <clears throat> to me, the reliability and the build quality is one of the most important things to investigate. And obviously, in the current day and age where you can jump into forums uh, and that sort of thing, there are all kinds of reviews on YouTube, reviews, for example, that Chana has done on various products. You really can investigate reliability and build quality in a really good way. The second thing to think about is what is the performance of the amplifier when driving a difficult load. Because if this particular amp, whatever amp it is, says it's capable of delivering 100 watts per channel at eight ohms with this amount of distortion, well, how that's measured is by taking an eight ohm load resistor and connecting it to the speaker outputs. The problem, of course, is not a single one of us ever listens to eight ohm load resistors. <laughs> We don't do that. We go out and find our favorite loudspeaker after auditioning a, a number of them, right? And we connect loudspeakers to power amplifiers. Loudspeakers don't present a constant 8 ohm load at all times. They're constantly dipping down, up and down, very dynamically. And if the amplifier isn't built to be able to deliver a lot of current into a low, you know, a low 2 ohms or even less kind of a load, it's just not going to sound nearly as good as you want it to sound. So what is when you're looking at reviews and that sort of thing, how does this amplifier perform when driving difficult and challenging loads? And then the third thing is how much current is this amplifier capable of delivering? You know, again, kind of back to the 100 watt per channel thing, lots of amplifiers in the 80s especially were rated for 100 and then 150, 200 watts per channel. But again, that's what it can deliver into that 8 ohm load resistor. When you actually sit and listen to them, oh, here's this 50 watt per channel amplifier that sounds better. How is that possible? It's a quarter of the... Well, wattage isn't always the most important thing. The amount of current that the amplifier can deliver is, is really key. 
And just one feature that we'll show you here on the back of an A21 Plus, for example, the level controls in the loop out feature enable a function for the parasound amplifiers that, you know, the better ones that have these features. If you have the ability to loop out of an amplifier, you can do what we call vertical biamping. So rather than putting an amplifier into mono and buying a second amplifier and bridging that one into mono, and of course you can bridge our amplifiers, our better ones into mono, but instead of bridging the two amplifiers into mono, which would give you a quantitative increase, more output, you will get a qualitative increase by doing what we call vertical biamping. Because now you'll have, let's say in this case, the right channel only driving the low frequencies of a pair of speakers that has different binding posts for the woofers and then for the mid-tweets. Looping out of it into the left channel, you now can have the left channel run the high frequencies in your, let's say, your left channel speaker, okay? And now you buy a second amplifier and you replicate that for, you know, second amplifier of the same type, in this case, an A21+, plus, and you replicate that on the other channel. So now you're keeping the electromotive force of the woofers completely out of the crossover network, and you're really gonna get an excellent sound quality that way. So it's just a feature difference that you would find in better amplifiers. The gain controls, of course, are key here because the gain controls are what enable you to regulate how much is going to, you know, the, the woofers and how much is going to the tweeters. <clears throat> so let's just talk a little bit about how you create an amazing amplifier. Well, it helps if you start with an award-winning one. We just brought out the JC1 Plus and actually sold through the initial shipment quicker than we, we thought we would, and, and we were out of stock there for a couple of weeks. But we had, per we had brought out the JC1 monoblock back in 2003, and I think this is one of the greatest examples of value engineering that we've ever done. It spent a long time on the Stereophile Class A recommended component list, I think about 15 years actually. Uh, really kind of set an industry benchmark for quality and value. But we have upgraded recently to now we're shipping the JC1 Plus. We haven't shipped the JC1s for a couple of years now, but we're now shipping the JC1 Plus. And as clean as this amplifier is, when you look at how it's laid out, you can immediately see in the JC1 Plus just how much more amplifier is, is you know, built into this product. So, and now again, let's just kind of back out for a quick second here. We'll do an end show and move this down and get back to, let's see what we've got going now in um, uh, some of the questions. There's, there's a lot of cool, a lot of questions here. Okay. Let's see here. I know. Um, do, oh, here. How much class A watts are in the Halo A52 Plus? And I know a lot of your designs are class A and A, 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 B, A, right? That's right, right. Off the top of my head, I don't remember the spec for the A52 Plus, how loud it goes. But I, I, heard, I heard it was somewhere around 8 to 10 watts. It, it sounds about right. Or, or 8 to 10 million, I think, John, actually is uh, closer. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, um, no, I, I think about 8 to 10 is actually right, but I'd have to double check that for you. And, and again, if, if the person who asked is really concerned, just send us an email at sales at parasound.com and, and we're good to go. <laughs> um, Mike says, as they say once, buy once, cry once. Buy once, cry <laughs> once. Yeah, exactly. This, this guy has a question. He has a P3 and an A23, and he's currently not using them in his system. Should I turn on uh, this equipment from time to time? Would this procedure avoid some damage to the components, such as capacitors? 
I don't know that there's any real damage that will come from letting them sit, but you know, I would really urge the man who's asking to investigate, is there maybe a, a, a spare room in your home where you can buy a spare set of speakers and go ahead and make use of this as a second system kind of thing? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, a good idea. Yeah. I can system in a different room or maybe you do a lot of work in your garage, maybe, you know, um, get something going on in there. Run, run some outdoor speakers. Every barbecue right, all of right, a sudden exactly. gets more fun. Here's a great question about class D with class D picking up in terms of coming close to given the rich class AB sound, what is pair sounds future looking like? So obviously we now make a number of class D products, uh, Karthik. And I think the future is going to be very interesting because certainly we can make a better sounding amplifier, uh, using class AB at this point, but we want to stay flexible in terms of approach because we're always interested in giving the consumer the best sound for the money. So yeah, great question. Mm-hmm. That's right. Let's see. Oh, here's one. Cruise and RSX. What's the difference between the A23 Plus and the 2250 version 2? Sure. So the A23 Plus being the Halo product, it's going to have a more refined sound. And actually, some of the things we're just about to run into as we start explaining the, the JC1 Plus, you'll see some of those characteristics in there. So uh, cruising RSX, if you can hold off just a little bit longer, we'll we'll dig into some of that. But again, the I was trying to emphasize earlier that the rated power, the watts per channel, is not the, the whole show. And again, you'll see that in, in a bit. In my listening room, my CD is connected directly to the power amp. Is that a no-no? No, it really isn't. As long as your CD player has you know a volume control so that you can regulate it. Um, obviously, a preamp will give you the ability to switch between all kinds of sources and may, in fact, give you even better sound quality because it will be, you know, treating that signal from the CD player a little differently. Yeah, I mean, it that could be, I mean, CD is connected. That could be like, you know, a lot of the Oppo players actually mm -hmm. have pre-outs and they have volume controls in them. So definitely a good way to just take that, you know, unnecessary step you know you go cd to then your preamp and then to the, your amplifier you can just go cd to your amplifier right to your speakers right right uh, obviously that limits your ability to change sources you're really only listening yeah. to cd which is okay mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that <clears throat> back to the presentation yeah let's see one, one last one and then we'll go yeah. back to the presentation yeah yeah uh you want to trade this one about uh so Tom, Tom Tuber, I love that name. How does one go about matching an amp to a pair of speakers? What do you look out for? You know, Tom Tuber, I really suggest either working with one of the local retailers that you have in your area, or there are some very good online retailers as well, uh, a couple of which are, are now selling Parasound products, Audio Advisor and Safe and Sound up in New England. The guys who are selling you the speakers are really in some ways the best ones to talk to about whether this particular amp is a good match for that particular pair of speakers. The primary things, of course, that you're looking for are efficiency or sensitivity. If, if a speaker is rated at 86 dB with one watt, one meter into it, that's much less efficient than one that's rated, let's say, at 91 dB with one watt, one meter into it. So with that one rated at 86, you're probably going to be picking a more powerful amplifier than you would with the one rated at 91 because it's literally not using the energy as efficiently. So, yeah, uh, and again, if you have specific questions about your particular pair of speakers, email us, salesparasound.com. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get back to the um, presentation, but just let's keep one question 
in yes, mind sir. because Ahmed Ahmad is asking about its overpowering speakers. Is there any truth on that? So just keep that on your mind. We'll answer that uh, when we get back. From sure. Well, you know, we can even just answer it now. Okay. If, if you pick an amplifier that's very, very high quality and very powerful and your speakers are relatively lesser expensive pair of speakers, certainly you can overpower them and even blow them up by just running you know, too much energy into them. But the opposite can happen too. If you have an insufficiently powered amplifier, an amplifier that isn't capable of delivering what, you know, what you're demanding in terms of volume, as you turn it up, it's now giving a distorted or you know, almost sort of like more machine gunning into the speakers. And that is actually in some ways more likely to blow a tweeter or blow a woofer than, than an amp that has more power than what the speakers are rated for. So again, a bit of a complex question. We always suggest working with the people who sold you the speakers in terms of helping you to pick out the best amplifier for you. So we'll start with this output stage, or I'm sorry, input stage. This, the input stage is something that I never really thought about all that much until fairly recently. But if you're into a better power amplifier like the Parasound JC1 Plus, boy, is the input stage important. In fact, this was the set of conversations that led John Curl and Richard Schramm to start considering a replacement for that original JC-1. Putting an input stage power supply, uh, and our core power transformer was picked, all of a sudden takes the input stage completely out of the circuit compared to the output stage, which is using the main transformer. So that, that power transformer is running just the input and driver stages on this amplifier. And that creates what we call a load invariant input stage. It's independent to the output stage. It doesn't make any difference what's happening with the output stage because the load that the input stage is seeing remains constant because it has its own power supply. So you keep you know, AC noise and so forth down. <clears throat> We've also taken kind of an unusual step with this FAR408 uh, circuit board technology. So obviously you can build a circuit board out of almost anything, even Bakelite you know, was often used in the 70s. There's a material called FR408, which we're using for the substrate in the uh, driver stage, input stage and driver stage circuit board. It was actually originally invented for the aerospace and, and supercomputer applications. It's even better than Delrin, which has been kind of the industry standard. But it keeps us isolated from stray currents and, and with additional shielding, again, we can keep noise from being passed from the input stage to the output stage, keeping noise to a minimum so that the output stage has a, the cleanest signal possible is the goal here. And I think you're, you're now starting to see why the JC1 Plus is actually quite a bit more expensive than the JC1, but why it outperforms it pretty handily. A big part of the answer is that the input stage and driver stage are keeping an incredible signal purity as that signal is going to the output stage before we ever get to the upgrades we made there. And we put on these uh, Bybee music rails. I think it's the first time we've ever seen in an audio product anyway, Bybee music rails used. Uh, and they're sort of active filters that are constantly vacuuming up any spare noise that they see. Um, obviously this is a custom designed circuit board and that's part of why it took us a while to get this amplifier to market. but. Yeah, really delivering, um, uh, you know, a pristine signal for the output stage. <clears throat> and because we're getting a little deeper into the presentation, I'm going to blow past the question slide this time. We'll get back to it in a minute. So you see we've now got six of these Nishikon gold-tuned filter capacitors. Uh, these 
filter capacitors are designed specifically for high-end audio applications. And again, it's all about storing energy. You only saw four of those in the JC1. Now you see six of them in the JC1+. Plus. These are simply the best sounding caps that we know of, and they're actually custom built for us by Nishikan. You don't find them in Nishikan's catalog anymore um, because they're really just building them for us. But um, <clears throat> again, if you really want the purest output stage, you know, with the least amount of distortion, you need the best capacitors you can find. And here's an interesting little slide that shows, you know, we talked about current earlier. This JC1 plus amplifier is capable of 180 amps of current, which is huge uh, and critical really to avoiding distortion if you're you know, driving a, a challenging load. And we've got 24 of these Sankin you know, bipolar output transistors now up from 18 in the JC1. We also, you can kind of see here by looking at both of these pictures, <clears throat> we've got that circuit board facing hor um, horizontally, not, I'm sorry, vertically, not horizontally. So the heat producing part here is actually directly connected to the heat sinks and we get a very efficient way of, of getting rid of the heat inside the amp. So that's going to keep it as musical as possible and as low distortion as possible. In, in our opinion, by the way, bipolar output transistors are simply better than MOSFETs, again, for the, for the output stage. Uh, so this is an amplifier capable of delivering 100, uh, 1,300 watts into a 2 ohm load, which is really very impressive. And here's a picture of the, uh, the stump puller, as Richard likes to call it, uh, the massive power transformer. This thing weighs over 30 pounds. Why are we going to such, ex to such incredible lengths? It's really simple. We put all these technologies into a high-end amplifier so that your selection of speaker that you want is virtually limitless. Uh, all these amplifiers can drive pretty much any speaker that's in the marketplace at this point. Uh, you know, a lot of current is required for high-quality performance but an amplifier like this one can deliver it because, you know, difficult loads are so common now in, in outstanding speakers. The end result of all that is what we're always trying to deliver in every product we make. We want solid state reliability, but with that tube-like sound so that you're getting a sound stage. And I deliberately chose here an image of, you know, the, the large orchestra. You're getting a sound stage that's deep and wide and tall and really kind of lifelike. Uh, as well as tremendous bass extension and, and a very sort of tube-like approach to the high end, very smooth, easy to listen to high end. But you're getting all this with the solid state reliability. Uh, because we're nearing the end now, I want to you know, switch back. We'll switch out of the show here and switch back to some last minute questions. So we'll move that guy down. <clears throat> all right, Shana, let's see here. Look at that blue toroidal. That, that, that's one of the pictures I'm just like, that thing has got to be like seven inches in diameter because it's bigger than the Halo integrated I have. And that thing's like five and a half inches in diameter. And like that blue one is just huge. When I saw it in person, I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's literally 30 pounds. It's massive. But yeah. Man, you know, for a, a power amp that can compete sonically with amplifiers that are two and three and four times its price, you need that kind of current carrying ability. And we welcome back Joe. How you feeling, Joe? Hey, I'm, I'm, I just had to eat something real quick. Good man. Keep your energy up. It's a long day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, question here about what's the budget amplifier for beginners? Where can they start and be still happy? 
I would say we're selling a lot of the new Classic 200 integrated amp. It's $1,199, it's $1,200, both for obviously the preamp and power amp in one box with you know, three different in analog inputs, three different digital inputs, so a lot of input and switching flexibility. Uh, it's a great sound quality for the money, and at the Rocky Mountain Audio Fest, we had it driving a $4,500 pair of Tecton loudspeakers, and people just love the sound quality. So. Yeah. So do we it looks like it's about 245 now. Is it time for us to shut this one down or do we keep going or what do we do? Um, yeah, no, we're probably gonna have to shut it down. Okay. Um, but uh let's see. I, I think one of the things um, you know, I'll chime in and say mm -hmm. that it, it is difficult when you're trying to compare power amplifiers because of the fact that like, okay, this one you know when you're just going by the numbers you you don't really get a feel of what it can do yeah. like if you open up you know something that's you know six or seven hundred dollars and another amplifier that's like you know two thousand dollars plus you'll see a difference when you look inside of it yeah. right you you may not be able to audibly hear a difference um but that all depends on, you know, how you hear stuff, how your room is set up, you know, do you have any room treatments, all, all that kind of stuff plays into, uh, plays a big part, right? Yeah, um, which I think what you're saying, Sean, is kind of what we talked about earlier, <clears throat> the performance on the specification page with an 8 ohm load resistor only tells you a little bit about what that amplifier is actually going to sound like when you hook up a real world pair of speakers, so. Yeah. So thank you again, Joe, and thank you, Shana, so much for hosting us. We're, we're totally excited to participate in this, and, and we'll participate again on Tuesday morning, right, with the Phono preamp one. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Okay, Man, cool. Thank you so much, uh, Joe. Um, it's always always awesome to, uh, to have you on here as we, you know, go through this. Uh, so glad you're part of our, you know, very first show. So uh, thank you there. And of course, you know, um, keep and everybody posted. and everybody follow Parasound SF on Instagram. We're going to blow up your Instagram. <laughs> we got, I, I convinced Joe to get on Instagram. He did it. He's there. Parasound's there. We got to tell him what's up. We're going to we're going to teach you how to make this happen. I love everybody it, loves Parasound. We want to see more Parasound. I'm, I told you I'm persistent. So yes, now, I'm using, now I'm using the social pressure. <laughs> oh man. yeah and, and awesome. thanks again to all the listeners for spending time with us how many total did you do you think we had during this presentation oh there's 156 right now i love it thank you yeah yeah thanks so, for the opportunity to chat with you guys no problem no problem and everybody uh attending don't forget uh we'll be back in about 12 minutes with klipsch uh once again big shout out to parasound and of course joe thank you for uh being here uh, it's funny when you're ta I say Joe, both of you guys look up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. All right, guys. Uh, don't forget to, um, you know, stay on the lobby page. Jump in there in the lobby comments. Um, you'll see the lobby discussion and uh, keep things going. We'll be back in about 10 minutes with Klipsch. See you soon. Bye, Parasound. Because <laughs> Joe is awesome. <laughs>